Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, good morning, Renewal Church. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastoral residents here. It is truly my honor and my delight uh, to be able to share God's word with you this morning. I am absolutely convinced that Pastor D had me preach the Sunday before he gets back so that you guys can appreciate how good of a preacher he is. And, um, and we're excited to have him back, amen. Um, and so... Before continuing, I want to thank him. I want to thank Pastor Steve for the opportunity. But I want to thank my wife. I really do. I'll share, maybe, if the Lord allows, I'll share some of why I feel that way a little bit later in the sermon. But a quick snapshot is, if not for the grace of God, I wouldn't stand here. I wouldn't be standing here before you. And a part of that grace was exemplified through my wife her patience but her steadfastness as well to believe in God's call on my life even when I didn't and so I am grateful for you honey and I'm taking her to Dallas this week to celebrate and get away from our four children yes I said four so keep us in prayer but I'm excited well listen y'all um, join me in prayer and let's get to it Heavenly Father I I thank you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Without it, I wouldn't have this opportunity. But more than that, Lord, empower me by your spirit to proclaim your truth and to make much of you, Jesus. Be glorified and be exalted in this place that when we leave these doors, we can honestly say that we have encountered the God of scripture. And we are leaving transformed and changed because of it. So, Lord, would you have your way this morning? May I be an open vessel for you to speak through, Lord, this morning. To your honor, to your glory, and for our joy. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 1942, in Munich, Germany, a group of university students gathered after having witnessed... Uh, the murder of Jewish civilians by SS troops, Hitler's elite corps of, of political soldiers. And, and they came to the conclusion that something must be said. Something must be done. The White Rose or the White Rose Society would be formed, composed of siblings, Hans and Sophie Scholl and other students due to the conflict between their sincerely held Christian believes and those uh, propagated by the Nazi-influenced church in Germany. Using German philosophy and with Christian values, they would publish leaflets or brochures encouraging civil disobedience and protesting the actions of Nazi Germany. This would eventually lead to their beheadings by the German authorities. You may be asking, what would compel such a group to, to do such things, to respond in such a way? Well, this group of students could not stand idly by 
believing that Germany was their responsibility as followers of Jesus. When the, the kingdom of this world came knocking on their doors to comply, they were compelled to respond with faith in light of a kingdom that is coming. Perhaps you don't find yourself in 1942 Nazi Germany, but it's 2022. And you're being told the way you vote is an indicator of whether or not you're saved. Therefore, vote Republican or vote Democrat. Will you respond with faith in light of a kingdom that is coming? Or maybe you're sitting across the table from a relative or, or a friend and they start talk, talking some nonsense. And you know that you need to speak some truth and love in that moment. But you're afraid and you're concerned that you may lose that person. You may lose that relationship. Will you respond with faith in light of a kingdom that is coming? Or maybe you're sitting across the desk from your boss and, and they're telling you to sacrifice uh, your well-being. Sacrifice time with your family. Put in a crazy amount of additional work and sacrifice to the idol of raising through the ranks. The up and to the right. Chase the dream. Will you respond with faith in light of a kingdom that is coming? We all find ourselves daily wrestling with the reality that there is a kingdom of this world knocking on our door. Demanding our obedience, demanding our compliance. And yet the truth is that there's a kingdom on its way. A kingdom that will make all things new. And the truth of our wrestling in that moment is, will we respond with faith in light of a kingdom that is coming? I believe our passage this morning will help shed light on that. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. I've titled this morning's sermon, Remarkable Faith in a Scandalous Place. Remarkable Faith in a Scandalous Place in a different church. That would have gone a hmm or an amen. <laughs> scandalous Faith or Remarkable Faith in a Scandalous Place. Now, allow me to provide a, a little bit of context for our passage today. Last Sunday, Pastor Steve, he preached on Joseph, right? And, and how the Lord used him as a means to preserve his family in the time of famine. The same family who received a covenant promise through their forefather, Abraham, from God himself. This covenant where God would provide his descendants with a land to call home and, and would make his descendants into a great nation that would bless the earth. And so Joseph's family now lives in Egypt, right? But before Joseph dies, he leaves them with a, a, a rather faith-filled remark, if you will. He says, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, uh, as great as this is right now, this ain't it. This ain't home. This isn't the land that God promised us, and he was right. Soon after, the people of Israel, having grown in number and stature, end up being placed by the Egyptians into captivity and slavery. 
Fast forward now some 400 years and Moses arrives on the scene. Moses is an Israelite who, who through some divine intervention, I'm talking about some crazy uh, 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 situation of events. Or, or When an edict was sent out, a command was sent out to kill all the newborn male slaves, he somehow survives. Not only does he survive, but then he's also raised almost like, a, like an adopted son in Pharaoh's household of all places. This Moses would eventually become the leader of Israel whom the Lord used to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. He leads them through the wilderness for 40 years. It should have taken a lot sooner, but they were ratchet. <laughs> and so... He is on the cusp of leading them to the promised land, and he dies. Just short of it. This promised land, the land of Canaan, was the fulfillment of a covenantal promise that God made originally with Abraham back in Genesis, some 470 years prior. And according to Deuteronomy 9, the fulfillment of this covenantal promise also served as a means of judgment upon the people that inhabited Canaan. For their wickedness. I mean, we're talking crazy sin, not just cutting you off on the highway. Like they were committing idolatry, but they were also, I mean, sacrificing children. Like it was bad, y'all. Okay. And so it's two part. It's a promise to this people, but it's also serving as a punishment to those living um, in their wickedness. And so with the death of Moses, the task of leading Israel into the promised land now falls onto his pupil, Joshua. For the nerds in the room, his Padawan, right? Like it's on him. And now you have Joshua bearing the weight of leading this people into the promised land, but also the battles that would ensue after that. And this is where we find ourselves this morning in Joshua chapter 2. And so Joshua sends two spies to check out the land. Now, he specifies, especially check out Jericho. And so the two spies enter into Jericho, and the text says that they went and entered into the house of a prostitute named Rahab and lodged there. And pause. <laughs> prostitute. Well, <laughs> I learned that in Sunday school. Remember, Pastor Steve was like, hey, the Bible isn't rated PG. You know, it, it gets kind of messy at times. Well, this is kind of one of those situations. Rahab here, uh, a lady of the night, if you will. And so we read that these two spies have, have lodged or stayed in her home. Now, before you get any ideas, the Bible is not afraid to pull punches, right? So if anything happened, scandalous, it will let us know. But because it doesn't say anything, we can assume nothing actually happens. But, but more so, I think it's actually um, important to know her, her house is built on the outside wall of the city. And so because of this, the, the home is secluded, it's isolated, um, but also because of her job, her profession, if you will, um, it's, she's usually hosting people there. So it's an inn, it's a brothel, okay? Now, just think of your favorite spy movie, James Bond, uh, Mission Impossible, or some spy novel, whoever reads those, but, uh, you know, <laughs> something of that sort. Okay, and it's usually in the most questionable places that you find the most reliable information. And so that's what we have here. The two spies, they stay in her home, this, this prostitute, 
Well, the king of Jericho gets word of this. He's told, hey, look, there's men from Israel that have come here tonight to check out the land. Now, how they know this, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I, I don't know how they have come across this. The only thing I could think of is this giant group of people are making their way towards the Jordan. And Jericho's like, oh, snap. So they're on high alert. Okay. They see, you know, maybe somebody sees these two guys come through and they're like, hey, they're not from my hood. So they reckon, you know, there's something different about them. And then they see them going to Rahab. So they snitch. Snitch is going to snitch, right? And so they let the king know what's going on. Well, the king sends word to Rahab. And he says, uh, bring out those guys who, who showed up to your house. And who you let in because uh, they've come to spy out the land. In other words, I know the spies are in our city. I know they're in your home. I know they don't mean us good. So who are you loyal to? Now, now I, I need you to take a moment and, and place yourself in, in Rahab's sandals. These are soldiers knocking at your door with commands from your king to give up two guys whom you've just met. They, they haven't been in your home but for maybe a few hours, and you don't owe them anything. Not, not only that, but how will your decision affect everything else in your life? What about your business, your livelihood, your home, more importantly, your well-being? The well-being of your loved ones. I mean, that's valid, right? So much is riding on the response of Rahab in this moment. She is standing at a crossroads moment of weighing the lives of these two spies versus her own and the lives of her loved ones. And one way or another, her life's about to change. Have you ever been there? The, the weight of the world on, on your shoulders as you make a potentially life-altering decision. And, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, whether you order whole milk or almond milk in your latte or, or pick up the newest Dunks or Jordans, Ramon. But I am talking about when you're sitting across the table from somebody, a relative, a friend, sharing a coffee, and in the midst of a difficult conversation, there comes a point, a moment when I have to decide, do I speak truth here? Do I share my convictions with this person, even though it may cost me my relationship with them? It's going to cause issues within my family, Mike. It's going to upset my boss. Mike, I got mouths to feed. It ain't that big of a deal. Society says it's okay, even though scripture says otherwise. And in that moment, you feel the collision of two worlds within the very depths of your soul. There's a kingdom knocking at your door, demanding that you comply. And yet there's a kingdom that is coming. A kingdom that compels you to respond with faith. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, 
but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. The, the, the original language here, it adds a sense of urgency to her actions. So if there was a moment, it was brief, okay? Uh, uh, it was very brief. So she, she takes the thieves, she hides them and responds to the soldiers. You're right. The men came here, but I had no idea where they were from. Actually, when the gate was about to be closed for the night, they left. And I don't know where they are or where they went. You, you, you should go after them. I think you'll catch them. But in reality, she had taken them to her roof and she hid them with stalks of flax. Flax being a, a flowering plant and when it's dry, it looks like wheat or, or uh, straw. And so she's taking piles of that and she's covering the soldiers. And, and almost like in a comedy-like fashion, the scene then cuts away to these soldiers that are running after nobody. And, and they're just running off, chasing whoever, and the gates shut. And so did Rahab's fate. Her decision made. Her allegiance determined. Before the spies uh, laid down for the night, Rahab comes up to them on the roof and shares with them, I really believe, one of the most profound statements of faith in the Old Testament. But it's also considered one of, if not the longest, statement made by a woman in all of Scripture. Uninterrupted statement made by a woman in all of scripture. And so I want to read it word for word. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. In other words, I know that Yahweh, she uses the relational name of God, which is crazy to me. How does she, how does she know? And yet that's what the narrative says. She uses Yahweh, Lord God, Yahweh is sovereign and powerful and has given you this land. As a matter of fact, we heard about everything that happened in Egypt at the Red Sea, we heard about those other kingdoms and what happened. And guess what? Our hearts dropped. We can't even function the right way. For the Lord, your God, he's the true God. So then please swear to me by that same God that as I have dealt kindly, and the original language has said, uh, um, uh, faithfully, loyally, as I have dealt with you and shown you my loyalty, when the time comes, Show me loyalty in return. Family, what can take a prostitute from the streets of Jericho, deep in the filth of her sin and transgressions against the holy God, and transform her heart to one of placing faith in the God of Israel, can only be the work of God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle James writes in James 2, 25 and 26, and in the same way, was not Rahab 
was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. What's crazy is that, again, she doesn't know anything about God, about God's ability to forgive. She doesn't know anything about righteousness or, or religious moralism. She doesn't even know about the law yet, right? But she knows that there's a God coming, who, a, a people, a kingdom coming, whose God is sovereign and powerful. And because of what she's heard, she's willing to walk away from the sin and lifestyle that she has known arguably her entire life. She's willing to forsake it all for the God who's on his way. And so you can't convince me that her actions uh, 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 produced righteousness because only a faith already at work can produce such fruit. I'll give you a, a really easy example, okay? Um, as I said, I, I'm a father of four, so pray for me regularly, okay? Well, our youngest one is Selah. And if you've known Selah, I feel obligated to say I'm sorry for something that may have happened. As a matter of fact, just cover the bases. I'm sorry for things she may have done in the past, things she's probably doing right now in children's church downstairs, and things that she will do in the future. To know Sailor's to love her. She's, she's amazing. And she's strong, like swole for a three-year-old. I don't understand. But with that, she's a little bit stubborn as well. And so the other day, uh, she's like, Daddy, uh, uh, I want to pour milk in my cereal. Now, it's, a, it's, you know, recession, it, it, you know, uh, times are hard, right? Like inflation. Brother ain't trying to waste no milk. All right? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And we'll no, no, no. That's going to help you real quick. And so I go to help her. But at the same time, I don't want to destroy the fact that she's trying to learn and grow to be independent. So I grab the, the gallon of milk, but I'm pouring it in such a way that she's under it and she's lifting it up. Now, from her perspective, she thinks she's doing the work. But from my perspective, I know who's really holding it and who's really doing the pouring. Faith and works operates the same way. The works isn't what produces the faith. The faith is what produces the good fruit of works and is an indicator of the faith that's already happened. Amen? Now, you may be wondering whether or not Rahab was wrong for deceiving the king's men and, and maybe come up with a number of ways that she could have done it better. I, I, I can already hear, you know, feedback or some emails. Mike, but she, she deceived the king's men. She lied. You know, was she really saved? We should be rejoicing that there is fruit in the life of one who has been recently changed by the power of God. She chose her kingdom. She chose her people. She chose her fate. And what's interesting is that while, while some question the deception and, and, and whether or not it was okay, you know who doesn't? Scripture. They don't. But rather that they all agree, the passages that talk about Rahab, that what she did was done in faith. 
thus revealing that God is at work in her very heart. When faced with, with colliding kingdoms in the depths of her soul, God was at work by his grace in a scandalous place, drawing his daughter to himself, empowering her to live for his kingdom that is coming and forsake the kingdom of this world, trying to make demands at her door. And so the spies, they, they, they respond, if you keep your end of the deal, then when the Lord gives us this land, we will deal kindly. Again, that word has said, we will show you loyalty in return and be faithful to you. Afterwards, she lets them down from her window with a rope and gives them instructions on how to return in a safe manner. Well, the spies turn around and they say, hey, tie this scarlet rope out your window and when Israel comes to conquer Jericho, um, that's how we'll know. We'll, in, you know, be an indicator uh, that this house is to be preserved. And so she's to gather all her family, her father, her mother, all the relatives, a big old house party. Everybody come in the house. Everybody come in the house. And so, uh, but that nobody, so, so, so everyone gathers in the house, but if they are found outside of the house, anything that befalls to them is on them. However, if any harm comes to anyone within the home, it's on Israel. And so they make this covenant pact with her. And so the, the spies then return to uh, Joshua with this encouraging news that God has given us the land. And so fast forward now a little to chapter 6. And now Joshua and the people of Israel, full of faith, uh, uh, are out on Jericho's front porch now. Knocking on their door. How about that? Following the instructions the Lord provided to Joshua and, and Joshua commands to them, the people of Israel marched around Jericho once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. They then shout and, and, and trumpets blow. And this would have been the part where Julian, you know, give me some horns on the keys or something. But they let out this loud cry. And the scripture is very clear. The walls of Jericho were pressed down. They didn't fall over. They didn't crumble down. They were pressed down. Because God does not want to share his moment with anyone. He doesn't want anyone else to receive his glory. Make no mistake. What just happened, top down. I pressed it down. And it was so, so that everyone could just walk right into the city. Remember I mentioned... That Rahab's house was on the wall. So when the walls came down, hers didn't. Well, when all hell broke loose around her, God sustained and kept her and her family within her home. The same way that Israel was protected during the first Passover by placing the blood of lambs on their doorposts. And the spirit of the Lord passed over and withheld death and judgment from them. So too Rahab tying a scarlet cord out her window served to indicate that this home, this home is to be protected and destruction withheld from. And the same way when all was said and done and Israel was freed, so too was Rahab and her family to join the nation of Israel and to worship the one true God. I got to be honest, I, I feel like preaching a little bit this morning, so I'm going to need your help here. Guys, been awfully quiet, and that's detriment. I mean, it hurts a Latino to be quiet. But some of you listening to the sound of my voice barely made it to church this morning. 
You could barely get out of bed, not because you're, you're lazy or you overslept, but because the fatigue of, of trials in this life have hit the very depths of your soul. All hell breaking loose. That sounds like a walk in the park compared to what I've been through. I don't know how I'm going to make rent. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. I don't know how my spouse is going to be healed. And I get it. Some of y'all are blessed and highly favored. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I need to know this. I debated if I was going to share this, but hey, I'm preaching, so deal with it. <laughs> this time last year, when I tell you that this morning for me is a true testament to God's faithfulness in my life, I mean that. This time last year, I ruptured my Achilles, okay? Now, before even that, Pastor D, with wisdom, I do believe godly wisdom, decided, Mike, you need to step down for a season. You're on the cusp of burnout, and I don't want that for you. So just take the summer. Rest with your family. Be a good church member. And I'm like, man, what? All I know how to do is ministry. Like, I'm a, I'm a true pastor's kid from a Pentecostal church. We do church. And you're taking that from me? But God's got a sense of humor, y'all. Not only does he take the one thing I know how to do vocationally, but then a brother goes and ruptures his Achilles. So I can't do nothing in the church and I can't do nothing at home. Now, for some of you, that might not seem like a big deal, but multicultural, multi-ethnic. Let me give you a little snapshot. Latinos don't stay still. I am the breadwinner of my family and I can't do that. As much as my wife likes to fight me, I fix things in the house. <laughs> but I couldn't do that. I was supposed to surprise my wife who was visiting her family in Miami and the rupture happened the week before. I couldn't even go surprise my wife like I wanted to. Everything that I found identity in, I could no longer do. And yet, I have people like Ramon. Father God, keep him. Sustain him. I have brothers like Tim Little. How are you? Lord, keep him. Sustain him. I had a wife who knew the very depression, the depths of depression I faced. Mike, you're called to this. Your identity is not in this, but make no mistake, God has called you to this. Stand fast. You may have given up in the moment. I haven't given up. And in those moments, in the darkest moments of that season, says the Lord saying, Mike, draw near. Mike, come to me. 
Mike, don't worry about those other things. That's not who you are. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. They don't define you. I define you. Your identity is not in these other things. You are my son. And so maybe you find yourself here. And all hell is breaking loose around you. I'm here to tell you that from the perspective of Rahab's household, all hell was breaking loose around them. And yet there was a divine perspective in play where the Lord Yahweh was removing every obstacle of sin, was dropping every wall of division, both physical and spiritual, that was between him and his daughter Rahab. So that he would bring her and her family into his household for all eternity. When everything comes crashing down all around you, trust that the Lord is holding you up. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Including you in the midst of your hardship. Including you when everything seems to just be falling around you. The Lord. The Lord alone sustains and keeps you. C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I've walked with the Lord long enough now to understand that when all hell is breaking loose around me, God is at work. In the midst of those very circumstances, wooing me and drawing me closer and closer and closer to him. Not only me, but I have to believe that he's also working in the lives of others that are involved. So take heart. Stand fast, church. Keep the faith. And submit all things to the Lord, for it is the Lord who sustains you and empowers you. To press forward. Now, while Rahab provides this amazing example of faith, the reality is we're not always going to respond with faith. When the kingdom of this world is knocking and demanding that we comply, we're not always going to respond with faith. And yet, as one of my old pastors used to do, the beauty of the gospel. Is that there is a descendant who would come from the line of Rahab. One who at every turn responded with righteousness and truth. Who ate and hung out with the lowest of the low. Including prostitutes and the like. Yet remained without sin. And through his death on the cross and resurrection. Tears down the walls of sin between us and himself. And offers us a refuge. In which his blood covers the doors. His scarlet thread hangs out the window. And when the coming judgment of the father passes over the kingdom of this world, judging it with true righteousness and fire, this savior offers safety and refuge to those hidden within him. In case you don't know who I'm talking about yet, the descendant of Rahab, the descendant of a prostitute, the descendant of one who used to work the streets of Jericho but now walks the streets of gold and glory. This descendant of Rahab I'm talking to you about is Jesus. And he is offering you forgiveness and salvation today. Listen, 
listen. Listen, for he is calling you to himself. For some of you, he may be calling you to join his family for the first time. For some of you, he may be calling you to remind you to which family you belong. Listen, listen by faith. So that in the same way, Rahab the prostitute was welcomed into the nation of Israel, keeping her title as a witness to the immense grace and mercy of our God. Rahab the prostitute, like, which one of y'all wants to walk around with a label? Yeah, that's John the fornicator. <laughs> and yet, she rocks the title. Why? Again, to point to the immense mercy and grace of God. We too, we're welcomed into the family of God for all eternity, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of what we've done. Rather, we forsake our sins and allegiance to this world, no longer wearing our, our past sins and, and lifestyles as, as badges of honor or even shackles that somehow keep us enslaved. No, we are free. We are free as a testimony to the grace and mercy of God. In Christ, forgiveness and salvation has been made available to you today. And that is the beauty and truth of the gospel. Therefore, in Christ, we are free to speak truth and love. We are free to call out sin and extend grace. We are free to live for another kingdom, regardless of what consequences may come. And so in light of the kingdom that is coming, my question to you is, Will you respond with faith? Join me in prayer. Father, all of these words are empty. If you are not involved in the very mix. Holy Spirit, convict what needs conviction in our lives. Bring to light that which we need to deal with by your grace, by your mercy, so that we could be more like Jesus. Help us be a church, Lord, that, that whose true allegiance is aligned with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who's not afraid to, to speak truth to power when necessary. But who's also not afraid to speak truth to loved ones for fear of losing them. As Rahab made her choice, Lord, by your grace, empower us to make like choices. Lord, I pray for those here who, who are not walking with you. May the truth that a kingdom is coming awaken something within their heart to say, I need to place my hope and my faith in this coming king. For those of us who have known you, but perhaps are caught up with the things of this world and, and maybe for some random chance they're, they're here presently or, or watching this video online or whatever, Lord, but... May they have listening ears to hear the call of their father drawing them back home.
Lord, may we be a people that respond with faith because you've been so good to us. And so we trust you. Jesus, do a work that only you can do for your honor, for your glory, but also for our joy and our delight. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.